Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan, and I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. It's the most spookiest time of the year as we enter into late October. It is very ripe for Halloween now it's the most it's the best time in the year when it comes to folklore particularly as is when we celebrate those pagan festivals and we celebrate all things strange and mysterious and magical I do love it so much if this is your first time listening to the podcast you're very welcome along if you're a returning listener Thank you so much for your continued support. If you enjoy this podcast, please do follow us on Instagram at FiresideBard, all one word. And if you really like it, tell your friends, tell everyone about it. Leave reviews on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I haven't plugged that in a while. Most importantly, I mentioned last week that we are very excited to be doing a show in the Dublin Podcast Festival in November. However, due to... I very recently was cast in the Gate Theatre's production of A Christmas Carol here in Dublin, which I'm absolutely over the moon about. I'm in the second week of rehearsals for that now. But that has meant that, unfortunately, we had to postpone or rather reschedule the Fireside uh, live show, which I am so, so grateful and delighted that we were able to do. So the Fireside Sessions, as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival, is now going to be on November 10th. Yeah, right here in the brand new Headstuff Podcast Studios venue here in Dublin. If you already had bought your tickets, um, you will have already got an email from Ticketmaster giving you the option to change, and I hope you all can still make it. If you haven't bought your tickets or if you couldn't make it to that other show and you can now, it is on Sunday, November 10th at 7pm. Tickets are extremely limited, but there are still some tickets available. And I would love if you would come along. It will be an evening of storytelling of folklore, of mythology, of some of my own tales, and of course, a few tunes. The live podcasts are where we're really going to start to explore more of the folk music. As Personally speaking, I think folk music particularly is meant to be experienced live to really capture how great, uh, how great a way of, uh, a, a beautiful way of storytelling folk music is, particularly Irish folk. Irish folk, I always think, is unique in that it is not bound in any way of like it being too serious or too funny. Irish folk songs can be anything, I always think. And I will be playing a few of them in there. So uh, in the Fireside Sessions on November 10th, I need to get better at selling this podcast. But it will be uh, 
it will be a fantastic evening and it is going to be BYOB as well. So it's a lovely early Sunday gig as we get into winter. Come make yourself a hot whiskey here in the podcast studio. Sit back and listen to me tell you some stories of folklore mythology. Sing you a few songs. What a what a gorgeous way to enter your your winter time. So one more time, remember that is November 10th in the podcast studios here in Dublin. Tickets are available at ticketmaster.ie. And once again, thank you so much to Headstuff, to Aiken Promotions and to Ticketmaster for accommodating our change in, uh, in time for the podcast festival. I'm so, so happy to still be able to do it because uh, being cast in Christmas Carol has been uh, dream come true and every since I wanted to work in the gate theatre since I since I was in college and it's it's fantastic I'm having such a wonderful time there with such an incredible cast and crew but this podcast is my baby this is my thing and I'm so so glad that I still get to keep doing it and still get to do the live show because this is our biggest show ever and this I really think will be another thing to break this podcast through even further so if you have friends that you if you're planning on coming and you have friends who you've wanted to recommend this podcast to why don't you bring them along to that as an introduction to it but I have ranted and ranted and raved about the podcast festival enough but we are going to move on to our story so we are telling another Halloween tale we had a great whimsical tale of the puka last week the puka and the piper And I said that I wanted to do my next story about the Banshee because we're nearly a year into this podcast and we still haven't done anything on the Banshee. And she is, along with the Leprechaun, she is the most famous Irish fairy of them all. You know, everyone, everyone's heard of the Banshee in one way or another. It was actually, uh, I read a good few stories about her before I landed on one that I really, really liked. Because the Banshee is one of those... uh, She's one of those characters that uh, there's a lot of lore behind her. Um, if you want a if you want a great background on the Banshee, I recommended this for the Puka last week as well. But check out the Sexy Beast podcast here on the Headstuff Podcast Network as well, which um, talks, uh, which is all about uh, monsters, cryptids as they call them, and uh, it analyzes each month a different monster each week based on. Uh, Based on believability in them, whether or not they're real, based on their fighting abilities, there's a huge amount of criteria and they have uh, their own league for these monsters. It's Tony Cantwell and Mark Jago. It's a fantastic, fantastic podcast. One of my one of my favourite podcasts on the Headstuff Network and I was very excited when I started working here to be on the same network as these guys. But they do a great episode on the Banshee. Uh, they did it sometime last year. So check it out if you want to learn more information about that. And... Uh, a great comedic take on her. But right in here we have this story which is called The Banshee Welcoming Party, which sometimes I debate on changing names and I did think about this, but eventually I couldn't think of a name that I preferred more than it. Slight rhyme and everything. It's a story from Kilkenny and I'll talk to you a bit more after it, but I'm going to tell the story itself and let it speak for itself. So this is The Banshee Welcoming Party on Fireside. The Banshee Welcoming Party The Banshee is probably the most famous, notorious, and terrifying Irish fairy of them all. In fact, many would not even realize she is a fairy. 
She's been called a ghost, a witch, a demon, but she is none of those things. She is, as her name literally translates, she is a fairy woman. She has many forms. Sometimes she is young and beautiful, sometimes she is old and haggard. Often her hair is long and white, often she is seen combing her hair. But above all, it is the wail of the banshee that strikes fear into even the bravest of souls. If you hear the wail of the banshee, someone in your family is about to die. And if it's not someone in your family, it's you. And there is no point running. There is nowhere you can hide. The banshee will always find you, because she is assigned to your family alone. It is said that there is a banshee for every great house of Ireland. The O'Connors, O'Neills, O'Briens, all of them have their own banshee. But this is a story of a lesser Irish house in the Leinster County of Kilkenny. In the whimsically named Sugarstown, near the less whimsical Thomastown, near the centre of the county, there was a young man named Holohan. Now, as you know, your humble narrator is named Olahan. Well, the Holohan family are from the same stock. Holohans, Olahans, Woolahans are all descended from the Irish O'Hulahan and remain distant cousins. Now, young Holohan was born during the darkest chapter of Irish history, the Great Famine. At least that's what it's called everywhere else. But in Irish, it is known as Ungurtha Moor, the Great Hunger. The catastrophe of the 1840s devastated the Irish countryside and resulted in the population being halved. A million were claimed by starvation, the rest by emigration. Holohan's family died when he was just a baby in the year known as Black 47. The Banshee would have been a very busy fairy indeed that year. Holohan was left fatherless, but his mother persevered raising her gaunt but resilient children through the hunger and no more of the Holohans were claimed by the famine. But the economy of the country was devastated for long after the hunger had subsided. Indeed, when Holohan had reached the age of manhood, he and his family were still destitute. So the young man did what so many had done before him. He emigrated to the United States. The voyage was long and claimed many desperate lives trying to flee poverty like Holohan himself. But after three months, the port of New York City appeared and the Banshee would not visit Holohan that day. The young man prospered greatly in America. While he initially faced prejudice and racism for being another paddy fresh off the boat, Holohan was young, strong, and had a family at home counting on him. He worked and laboured until he had a good life, with plenty left over to send home to his mother and siblings. But as it does to us all, the call of Ireland began to grip Holohan, and he longed to return home. He saved enough money to still be comfortable upon returning to Kilkenny and felt confident he could make Sugarstown prosper so that he, his family and the whole area could finally recover from the great hunger. Hallahan wrote to his mother to tell her he would return to Ireland on the next voyage-ready ship and the letter of reply was soaked in his mother's own tears. Tears of joy that she would once again be reunited with her eldest child. She told her son there would be a mighty session waiting for him when he returned. 
Holohan boarded a ship far superior and with a far less likelihood of death than he did on his voyage over to America, and the winds were with them for the whole journey. They made it back to Ireland in just over one month. They arrived at the sweet cove of Cork, and from there Holohan took a coach a hundred miles to Kilkenny City. It was already nightfall when they arrived, and the coach would take the young man no further, as the horses needed to rest. There was an inn in Kilkenny Holohan could have spent the night in, but he was determined to get home that evening. So he began the ten-mile trek to Sugarstown. After about five miles, Holohan reached Bennett's Bridge, where he saw a group of people gathered round the fireside, laughing, drinking, and singing. He recognized each member of the group as his childhood friends, and despite his urgency in getting home, could not resist sitting, having a drink, and a bit of a sing-song. At midnight, a significantly more merry and stumbly Holohan resumed his journey home. The night was darkest, the road quiet. Holohan had walked this road many times by both day and night, but not for years. He had been living in New York, the city that is never silent. Holohan was not used to the countryside quiet. Every crack or breeze, even the slightest sound, started to make the young man quake and quiver. He quickened his pace. The sooner he was home, the better. But then a mighty wind began to blow. At least Holohan prayed it was a wind. It got stronger and louder, but he could not feel it. He could only hear it. He was sure his senses were getting the better of him, because it began to sound like the wind was speaking to him. Louder and louder, until it was clear as spring water. A voice was calling, Mother bids you come home. She is waiting too long. I'm going mad, thought Holland. I'm drunk, seasick, travel-weary. I'm not in full health. I'm imagining things. But then he glanced over his shoulder into the thick wood beside him, and through it he could see the shining silhouette of a woman. Dressed head to toe in white, with long silver hair, her head hung low. She said again, this time louder still, Mother bids thee come home. She is waiting too long. Holohan was drunk, but no fool. This was no hallucination. This was no ordinary woman. This was the Banshee. And her presence could mean only one thing. With every ounce of strength he had left, he began to sprint home. The closer he got, the more he hoped to see light, to hear the sound of the party promised to him, to prove the Banshee wrong. But the Banshee can never be wrong. Holohan kept looking behind him for sign of his pursuer, but could not see her. Then he heard the dreadful wail, looked up and saw the terrifying creature was flying above him, wailing down and piercing his very soul. The banshee swooped down and landed in front of Holohan. The young man searched for his voice and asked, Why? Why do you come to me? Is my mother all right? Am I all right? Answer me! The banshee took a deep breath and said, Mother and brothers and sisters bid thee come! It was here the Banshee revealed her face. 
It was not young or old, but it was monstrous, with eyes burning like fire that froze the ice in Hallahan's veins. The banshee then screamed so loud, Hallahan thought his eardrums would burst right then and there. Her lament at an end, the banshee flew up and disappeared from sight. The ringing in Hallahan's ears would eventually subside, but as long as he lived, he would never forget the sight of the banshee. When the trembling in his legs stopped just long enough to use them again, Hallahan resumed his final sprint home. Through it all, he attempted to hold out some hope that there would be the sound of music and laughter, and each member of his family would be there to embrace him. But this was not the case. The Hallahan family cottage finally came into view, and it looked quiet and deserted, save for one lone candle. Hallahan burst in the door to discover the sight of his brothers and sisters on their knees in tears, each one gathered around the bedside of their mother. Hallahan rushed to his beloved mother's side, but it was too late. Her forehead was cold. She was gone. The banshee had ferried her to the other side. He had been too late. He kissed his mother's forehead and sat slumped against the wall. The night was once again deathly quiet, but far away, Hallahan could swear he still heard the cry of the banshee. The cry of Dying, 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 dead. The End And that is the tale of the Banshee welcoming party on Fireside. Good Lord, that was uh, that was a place. Now I have to say, this was it wasn't hard to write, but it was it was scary to write. Certainly, <laughs> um, you've got because you've got an objectively spooky character here with the banshee looming over the whole story. But you said anything in the famine? You said it in about the most terrifying time in actual Irish history and then mix it up with the folklore then you've got a real recipe for for magic there I think I think that's what really drew me to this story in the first place and also just every single one of us has walked home one night you know I like I live in the liberties here in Dublin and it's the real old old part of the city and I love it so much for that you always have horse and carts walking by. You can feel like stepping in a time machine sometimes. But I live just behind the Guinness storehouse. I would say I live in the shadow of Guinness, which has these mighty, mighty high walls. And when you're walking home on your own and you're surrounded by these big walls and just those long rows and deathly quiet night, you do listen to every sound, you know. And you're so aware of immediate surroundings. And I'm from the country. I'm from Wicklow. And so I remember many nights walking up my hill to my house at night, you know, with nothing around and just 
fearing you'd look behind and see something coming towards you. So I think that's really what grabbed me about this particular story of the Banshee. Because it is, it's it's just a bit sad, isn't it? You know, he's terrorized by this Banshee, but there's no happy ending to it. It's just more... What I quite like about it is she's not necessarily malevolent in it because like much like Hades or Pluto as he is in Roman Roman mythology, these aren't villainous characters. These have a job. You know, the Banshee is tasked with ferrying these souls over. You know, that's a job that has to be done. So she's not necessarily malevolent, but obviously she's so frightening that uh, she's portrayed that way. I mean, she doesn't do anything about it. She kind of does haunt this guy, but she's just trying to get him home quicker, you know? And he does. He just misses the mother. And after coming all the way back to America, and people might zone in on the fact that he stops he stops for a few pints with the lads by the fireside. And that's definitely true. <laughs> if he hadn't done that, maybe he would have maybe he would have caught caught the mother. But it is just very sad, isn't it, after her rise in the family? Well, I quite like I've added some like detail about the famine because it's a part of Irish history. I know, I know a bit about it anyway, both by just being from from Ireland, and um, I did uh, walking tours, which we did a, a section of about the famine. And but there was there's a lot of detail in the actual story. This one comes from. One of my favourite sources, my uh, gothic gothic fairy stories from the 32 counties of Ireland. That's not the actual title of it, but it's vaguely the title of it, which I've got a good few of my favourite stories from, most significantly, I think, the Tobacco Quest and the Fairy Horses. And yes, this is their story from Kilkenny. And there are a few stories of the Banshee in them, but this is the favourite one I found in it. And there was other stories in like the WB Yeats book as well, but none I liked more than this. Uh, it was short, but I quite liked it. I, I liked its setting. I liked that he goes to America. I liked that he comes back. I liked that there there feels, because of the famine setting and the introduction of the talking about, I feel like the Banshee is very present for the entire story, even though she doesn't make an appearance until its third act, so to speak. But yeah, and then just in the telling of it, it felt... It felt just as I was doing it there, as I was reading it out, that it would be that it had to be much more hushed, and that this is because this is how that's how you tell scary stories. Is the more you play with the silence, and especially with our sound effects of the fireside. If you were sitting around the fireside telling stories, you would, and then you can use volume so much more, and it's really exciting being in a studio and getting to play around with that and playing around with. You can just be very, very close to a microphone and then be so silent and hear every little crack in your voice. And yeah, you just have to go into that ghost mode, I found. But I'm delighted I found it because I was worried I wasn't going to find a story about the Banshee that worked. And I really did want to have one because next week we're going to do our Halloween special, which is going to be a little bit different. I'm very excited for it. I hope you enjoy what I do. I won't spoil too much about it. Let it be a surprise. But yes, we have our, our Halloween special next week. And then we move on to the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology. The final cycle of them all. 
the second one chronologically, but very much the glory, the glory piece of Irish mythology, of the pantheon. And I cannot wait to dive headfirst into Cullen and Deirdre of the Sorrows and Queen Maeve and all those, some of the greatest stories of all that I can't wait to begin begin to adapt. I don't even know where I'm going to begin with them in terms of these are stories that exist in novel form, you know, unlike a lot of the other stories which exist in short story form. So it's a, it's a journey I can't wait to go on. But we have our Halloween special before that. If you are around Dublin, there is both uh, the Puka Festival that's on, I think, I think it's the Bram Stoker Festival, which is on every year, is like between the 25th and 27th of October. And then the Puka Festival is like the 31st to the 3rd. It's really exciting. You know, it's it's really cool that, like, especially after we did the Puka story last week, that, you know, there is a Puka Festival. Puka being the word that we'd use for ghost most commonly in Ireland, but in the posters and everything, it's very much, it's the puka we were talking about, the actual devil, demon, fairy character, the puka. Um, what I did want to talk about before I go, in it, before I move on from the Banshee, is Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which is a film that I think I think a lot of Irish people have seen. It's, I'm still always unclear about just how famous or popular it is. It was a Disney movie made in the 60s um, with some deplorable Irish accents in it. You have Sean Connery, a very young pre-James Bond Sean Connery. I think it's pre-James Bond anyway. He's very young in it. Uh, So it might even be the 50s. Let me look up what year was Darby O'Gill. 1959, my God. It was produced by Walt Disney himself and it basically was... It was kind of where Americans found out about uh, leprechauns properly. Um, I'm led to believe anyway. This is really, it was really the film that uh, blew the idea of all of the stereotypes surrounding leprechauns that aren't necessarily as true in actual Irish folklore. Like the green suits with the green hats and like the buckles on their shoes and the pot of gold and the rainbow and all of that. And it's... Uh, it's not a movie I've watched in a long time because you'd want to kind of keep it in your head as it was, you know, because it was always terrifying because the banshee appears in it. And I still think it is one of the scariest things I've ever seen in a movie. And admittedly, I haven't seen it since I was very young and don't plan on seeing it. But I have... uh, I've seen that scene again and yeah, it held up to be honest. I think almost like a knock on effect. Oh God. I'm just even looking it up. Just images of it. It's, it's what I will always visualize when I think of the Banshee is this portrayal in, in Derby O'Gill and the little people. I don't even know, like, I, I don't know if I'd even recommend people watching it if they haven't seen it before. Actually, I would think, I think it's worth seeing. You know, don't hold your breath and don't look for it as a as a, as a a good source of, of Irish folklore and storytelling. But it is worth watching just because it exists. It is a, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre, bizarre film, but it's definitely one of the most terrifying portrayals, portrayals of a banshee in fiction. Blind Boy Boat Club as well, and his uh, short stories, The Gospel According to Blind Boy, his first book of short stories. He 
has a brilliant folk or not folk tale but a story in that of him uh, of him shifting of him wearing the face off a of banshee that's really worth checking out as well as a real contemporary brand new story of the banshee there was almost a part of me that wanted to adapt that but i think it's just too new i think i would it's not like it's descended into folklore and it belongs to everyone now that story still very much belongs to him but yeah, let me know if, let me, I always love hearing from all you guys. Thank you always for your messages of support whenever you send them. And I always love hearing about what you'd like to hear more of and everything. So yeah, if anyone, if anyone has memories of uh, Darby O'Gill and the little people, do let me know. It's always, I'm always interested to chat to people, especially about something as bizarre as that. But I'm going to wrap things up now. Um, Next week... Yes, next week we will have our Halloween special. So thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you, uh, as always, to the folks here at Headstuff, Alan and Paddy. Uh, thank you to Jamie, my producer. Uh, please do l- continue to follow us on Instagram at Fireside Bard, all one word. Leave comments and ratings. Subscribe to us on iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, all of those things. Come and see our live show, The Fireside Sessions, November 10th, Sunday, November 10th, in the podcast studios here in Dublin. Tales, tunes, and a tipple is BYOB, an evening of storytelling, folklore, mythology, true tales, tunes, everything you could want right here at The Fireside Sessions. Book tickets at ticketmaster.ie forward slash fireside podcast and i will see you all you will hear me next week on the fireside goodbye this podcast is part of the headstuff podcast network